talking to me? Yeah. Awesome, man. Hey, thanks for uh, jumping on, dude. And, you know, we, we've been uh, talking for a bit. Uh, finally, finally, guys, we get uh, Mr. Novello on, on the show here. Uh, I'm just super blessed to be uh, connected to you through Jose. And you've been coaching us for a long, long time. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do for the community. Um, so without further ado, welcome to the Power Half Hour. Today, we have the man, the myth, the legend. We've been working on getting him on the show for a long, long time. Mr. Aaron Novello, welcome. Thank you for being here, sir. My pleasure, brother. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, be present with you guys and to share in hopes that something that I share is helpful and useful. Oh, my gosh. You've been sharing on Clubhouse. You've been sharing on our Freedom Freedom Builders Mastermind. Um, you know, But actually, I was talking to Herbert about this. We don't actually know who this man is. So, <laughs> so tell us about your start. Um, you know, how did you get started in real estate? What was your, you know, childhood like? Tell us, tell us, who are you? Yeah. So, um, you know, my family of origin were, were really kind uh, people doing the best they can under the given set of circumstances that they had available to them. Not very financially stable, I would propose kind of like working poor, you know, just made enough money to kind of get by. And also not really like um, financially kind of motivated or ambitious in that way. Mm. It was interesting. I had a few experiences as a younger person that um, were very frustrating to me due to resources. And as such, I just made a decision, right? So I think what's very interesting is oftentimes people come to me and there, there's three different kind of um, components of producing a particular outcome, right? Like one is a state, one is a story, and the second is your strategy. So which one of those, John, do you think people approach me to talk to me about? Is it state, story, or strategy? Story. Yeah. Well, it's actually interesting because usually what they want to talk to you about is strategy. Strategy, right. Like how to do something, right? Right. What's very interesting to me though is what I found is, is that it's actually the state that's actually the most important thing because in the right state, you will come up with the right story and the right strategy. Mm. So the state that I was in, and it's a powerful word, uh, I think it has a negative connotation, but it's exceptionally powerful. It's like Rockefeller was like hate. Like I hated being in an environment in which resources was a limitation. I hated, you know, not being able to do something. And I was limited by this thing called money, right? I didn't like that. I, uh, I didn't have full autonomy and control. Uh, and the primary way that we do that in the current society that we live in is with resources. So in that right state, I came up with the right story and the right strategy. And I didn't know exactly what it was. At first, I thought it was being a physician. So um, I kind of did pre-med. I studied that sort of thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, it wasn't really like out of benevolence, candidly, or like a desire to want to like, you know, serve others. It was more like, okay, I thought they made the most amount of money. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's really what was true, right? Um, what was interesting, though, is on tests that I would take, you know, tests that they give you to like, okay, what should you do? You know what would constantly show up in those tests? Salesperson. Really? Yeah. And it was fascinating because oh. I'd always want to push it down. I would be like, no, no, no. I want to be that surgeon. Like, who makes the most yep. money? I want to be that guy. Right. So I would always push it down, but that's what would constantly come up. Hmm. And what was interesting is while in college, I was in a meeting and uh, it was like a business meeting. And there was a guy, there's two people. One was the guy who owned the largest gym in Gainesville because I went to school at the University of Florida. And he was a self made multimillionaire. And he was talking about a book called Thinking Grow Rich. And that was like my first kind of exposure to that type of thing. The second person to talk after him was a real estate agent. 
And, um, you know, she was a, one of the top agents in the area and she caught my attention. And uh, it was just interesting. It's very serendipitous in nature. It's like this invisible hand kind of moving me in that particular direction. Um, so then prior to graduating uh, from the University of Florida, I got my real estate license because I was obsessed with reading books about acquiring kind of wealth because I right. realized that I wanted to have that resource in my life. And all those books had a tendency to gravitate towards real estate. So I figured mm. what better way to learn about the investment vehicle than to help people buy and sell it. Mm. So that's really how I bumped into the residential research. So it really was the desire, the, the state that you were in, that you hated not having the resources, growing up with not a lot of money and wanting to chase after the most amount of money. But all of a sudden, this, this real estate and salesperson thing just kept popping up, kept popping up. Yeah, like on, on all those tests to try to like determine your strengths and they would always come up salesperson and then serendipitously kind of being in, like, I think that things don't happen to you, they happen for you. Yeah. Like kind of being exposed to like, hey, you know, uh, those two people at the same time. And um, yeah, kind of deciding. So what I'm aware of is the suffix I, it means to kill. Mm. Like homicide, suicide, genocide, pesticide, right. to kill off any other option. So I decided that I wanted to have resources in my life. I didn't know how I was mm. going to do that. I didn't know what the way, I didn't know what the strategy was, but the state was such that, you know, I came up with the right kind of story and the right strategy. Wow. Okay. And, and I'm clear that, you know, just getting to know you this past year that you would have been a great doctor too, because you're so talented. You have a photographic um, memory and it's, uh, it's, it's almost scary how much you remember stuff. Like we just would have a short conversation and then like months later, you would bring it up like almost verbatim. No. So, so I want to talk about that because you're very talented. Nobody that I role play with at all has your skills. And I, and I think that's mostly talent. Can't talk, talk to me about, you know, nature versus nurture. How much did you work on the nurture part to have what you have? Yeah, it's interesting. And I appreciate your kind words. I mean, coming from you, it's a huge compliment. Um, what I'm aware of is, is I think that some people might have a natural disposition towards something. At the same time, you know, um, hard work beats talent all like, you know, in, in any day of the week. So what I think is true is that, um, you know, the skill of, let's say, communicating, it's something that, you know, I might perhaps have a natural disposition for it. At the same time, I've intentionally and purposely through discipline and consistency, curated it, cultivated it, mm -hmm. right? Because, you know, the most prevalent thing on planet earth is unsuccessful people with talent. <laughs> so yeah. what I'm aware of is, is like, you know, um, I recognize that communication is an exceptionally valuable skill. And as it pertains to residential resale, you know, the money's not in the service. It all doesn't mean we don't get good service, but the money is in the selling of the service. Mm -hmm. So learning how to sell a service. So not only did I work on, you know, I role play twice a day, six days a week for the first three years of my career. Um, I would videotape myself, I would audio tape myself. And then what was interesting is once I reached that level of, you know, not having to be concerned about what to say, then I continued the education. So a lot of people stopped. Uh, yes. How I continued it. Uh, the education piece is I started to go kind of um, deep down this like emotional intelligence piece, which is intellectual intelligence is knowing what to say and how to say it. Emotional intelligence is being able to pick on, on pick up on nonverbal cues, 
like what people could be feeling and then having the skills to like point that out and bring that to the surface, which allows you to be able to connect with people in a much more meaningful way, right? So um, that was helpful. And I spent 10 years working on that, right? Oh, wow. The guy, um, his name is uh, Rick Carson. He wrote a book called Taming Your Grimmel and I became a faculty member of the Grimmel Taming Institute. And then, you know, as far as that is concerned as well, you know, people have been kind enough to share with me in terms of like articulation or ability to communicate. And I think that what's true is, is uh, in order to hone that craft, it's practice, it's adding additional pieces like the emotional intelligence piece. It's also reading a lot and writing. a lot. Mm. Reading a lot helps with vocabulary and then writing a lot. What it causes you to do is to be very clear in your thinking. Right. So when I when you write something, it causes you to parse out what's not necessary ah. and to get to kind of, you know, the meat and potatoes of what's you know being communicated. So I think all those combined uh, help to cultivate and curate whatever perhaps ability that you may have. So obviously you're talented and you you've worked on it so many years. You still role play today, obviously. Why do you still role play? Why do you still practice? Why, like you've read enough books. Like why keep, keep at it? Like what, what's, what's the whole goal with that? Yeah, so the whole purpose in that is that, um, you know, there's, there's finite players and there's infinite players. So finite games have known players, they have fixed rules and they have like a specific designated time frame. And the purpose of that goal like the purpose of a finite game is when the time's out, you look at the scoreboard and whoever has more points wins. Right. Now, a lot of people play the game of business as though it's a finite game, when in fact, it's actually an infinite game. So infinite games have known and unknown players. Yeah. Has unspecified amount of time. Mm-hmm. And it has not agreed upon rules. So it's interesting. People run around. They're like, well, I'm number one. I'm like, well, based on what metric? Right. Is it based in... Geograph? Are you in Canada, United States? Is it units? Is it volume? Is it gross? Is it net? Is it your number one because you do a lot of deals and you have a great relationship with your significant other and children? Like, what is it? Like, I don't like we haven't agreed upon mm. the rules, right? So we play this game as though it's a finite game, and you hear it in our language, like beat the yes. competition, like destroy. When in fact, it's an infinite game. The game of business has been going along way before Aaron and John Sy started playing, and it'll be going on way afterwards. So. What's interesting about infinite games is the purpose isn't to win. The purpose is to be able to keep playing. And the only reason why an infinite player stops playing is because A, they either lose the will to play, meaning they don't want to anymore, or two, they no longer have the resources to be able to play. And a resource could be health, a resource could be money. You know, mm-hmm. So what I'm aware of is part of this continuing to hold the craft and continuing to read and continuing to you know, grow is that as I grow more, I can give more. And what I'm aware of is now as an infinite player, my intention doing streams like this or spending time with you and with freedom builders and stuff is to equip other players so mm. they can play the game at the highest level possible for as long as they have the will and the resources to play. That's interesting. So, you know, we all play the finite game. Most of us, 99% of us play the finite game. I want to make, um, you know, X amount of dollars this year by this time. And we also have a, a, an arbitrary time frame on where we like to be at, at what time we like to be. So I set a goal to be a millionaire, a net worth of a million by 30. And I was like, oh, my God, I need to get there. I need to get there. And I didn't get there on the t- by the time I want. 
right? I wanted. And, and then I became, you know, net worth of a million at 35. And then I was like, oh, is this it? And immediately the, the excitement was gone. And here, what you're exposing is the flaw in finite games. So yes. what I'm aware of is I'm, my hallucination is like me because I had a similar goal. Mine at first was 100 deals, 100 deals, 100 deals, obsessed with doing 100 deals. Took me five years to get to that. And what's interesting is when I hit it, like you, there's no balloons, no like big, like, you know, crowd came up to me and said, yeah, you did a great job. When I'm standing in Starbucks, nobody's like, hey, man, that was awesome. <laughs> None of that happens. No. So what happens is, is I think we have a tendency, particularly as hard chargers and achievers, is that we actually overvalue what the accomplishment of a goal will bring to us, right? Um, versus if I, and, and I think with finite mindsets comes frustration. Yes. And it comes like a little letdown. Yeah. Because right? I remember the same thing was true for me, that net worth millionaire thing separate from the equity of my own home. And when I did it, like nothing happened. Like my life didn't become meaningfully more better. Like my, my, my level of happiness didn't go up in like a huge metric. Like it was just like, okay, this is cool. And then you just keep moving. Right. So what I'm aware of is if you can switch to an infinite mindset, now it's like over an extended period of time and there's not so much like, right. Like, like kind of anxiety and tension. I think the other thing that's true is that what you'll notice, which I know you've had this experience with your team and other people is that the rush that you get from accomplishing that goal is one mm -hmm. thing. The rush that you get from contributing to others is something entirely different. Uh, one is kind of like, um, it feels good. The other is like fulfilling. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. It's like um, me doing a hundred deals, making a million dollars and yay, we did that versus like really helping someone getting what they want, getting to their dream home, getting their you know, family home sold after 30 years. Talk about that, like happiness and that fulfillment piece in, in what we do. Like, how do you get to that? Yeah. So I think it, it has to do with intent. So I remember at the beginning of my career, like, you know, it was super selfish. It's just about me. Right. I have units I want to do. I have sales I want to make, how much money I want to make. And I'm not really even conscious or aware of the fact that I'm, you know, helping other people. They're sharing some of their hard-earned money with me. Like I didn't get yes. 30 years to pay off the mortgage and now you're going to give me 6% of that. Like I didn't do that. Right. So it was very kind of self-serving. Right. And I think that that's a normal natural evolution. Yes. So I really do believe that like business is not the material journey. I think it's like a, a spiritual one. Right. So it's like mm -hmm. evolving to where it's like, at first it's like, I'm thinking about myself. And then um, once you kind of can take care of your own needs, right. Yes. And the of people that you love and care about, then there can become, if one's open to it, an evolution in which now you become servant to others. So now it's like, hey, how can I help? How can I serve? So you'll notice, you know, in our role plays, that's one of the things that I'm constantly pointing out to people in clubhouses, because they're always coming from a place of like, you know, are you familiar with the techniques that I'll use? You know, like it's always about them and like ego. Yeah. It's like, instead it's like, well, John, my job is to help you, man. It's never to talk into doing anything. I guess I'm curious for you and your family ultimately, if you did sell this home, like what would your goals and objectives be? Like, what would you be looking to accomplish? How would your life improve in some way? So right. now I'm switching it instead to being like, hey, what's going on with you to determine if, I, if you have a need that I can service? And that's a, it sounds like verbal gymnastics. It's not. And I think it has to do with intent. And the intention is like, is my intention to, to get like to take or is my intention to serve? Is my uh. intention to prove myself worthy, which I think a lot of people do, Right? Or is my intention to connect? Is my intention to be right? Or is my intention to serve? Right? 
So I think intention is like a colorful dye, meaning like if, if we took water and we were to drop little like red food coloring in a, in, into water, over time, what would happen to the water? Well, it begin first pink and then it would become red. And I think the same is true with intention. So if my intention is to take, is that going to come out in my tonality? 100%. Is that going to come out yeah. in my choice of words? Is that yeah. going to come out in my body? Like a million percent. Yeah. And everybody who's watching this, they've all been in the presence of somebody whose intention was to take something from them. And you could feel yeah, it. Yeah, you could feel it right away. They didn't, they didn't come out and say, John, I'm trying to take something from you. No, but you can feel it because it's, it's seeping out. It's like almost impossible to try to hold that in unless you're like a sociopath, right? So like it seeps out into how I'm communicating, what I'm saying and things of that nature. So I think, I think the answer is, is in, intent. And I know that, you know, we're happiest when we're growing and when we're contributing. Yeah, it's, it's all about growing. And I think the infinite game is about growing. I really got that from you because I was always chasing, even until last year, I was still just chasing that the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. And that's why I consistently get burnt out less and less now since I'm, I'm focused on just, just today and being in the present. But, I, but talk a little bit about burnout because agents are consistently burned out because they overwork. They're focused on the wrong thing. And they're focused on getting. So talk yeah. about how, how to avoid burnout. Yeah, so it's interesting because I think our industry is set up in like this kind of weird way. Uh, and um, I think part of burnout is a lack of systems, processes, procedures, and perhaps staff. Right. Do with things. And I know not everybody has the resources to do those things. At the same time, you can you know, do it on a per transaction basis at first and then bring people on as you have more revenue. I think the other thing that's true is what leads to burnout is again, like, not having goals that are infinite. So in other words, like, you know, in one of the uh, mastermind uh, live events that we had, we spent time based on a book on like, um, it's by Simon Sinek, which is that like you start with why. Mm. And I know that sounds like, okay, that's cool. But then how do you do that? So you do the hard work of trying to figure out the why. And what came to the surface for me is that, you know, my why is to be kind, number one. And then it's also to inspire and teach and lead myself and others to be the best version of itself. What's interesting about that goal is, is there any end to that goal? No. It's an infinite goal. Mm. Right? So because of that, and then what happens is that seeps into everything I'm doing. So whether it's I'm, you know, residential resale, because I'm still very much in production, we do about 150 units a year. Like, then it, my intention is to, you know, be kind and to inspire and teach and lead our consumers to be the best version of themselves. And we help them do that through real estate whether it's the coaching and consulting that we do, because I coach hundred clients throughout the United States and internationally, it's to be kind and be, you know, uh, That's awesome. inspire people to be the best version of themselves. And then the same thing now that we're doing, you know, some of the other stuff we're doing as far as people partnering with me and things like that. Much. So, but it's infused in everything. And I think mm. what you'll find is that usually when you're burnt out, it's because you're not clear on why you're doing it. Because what, you know what I think is interesting, John, is are me and you a candle? So if we're not a candle, how can we burn out? <laughs> like the energy that is inside of me that causes my trillions of cells to do what they're doing is the same energy that makes the earth go around the sun at 66,000 miles an hour. Like how can that possibly ever burn out? Like I'm not a human being having a once in a while spiritual experience. I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. How could that energy ever be exhausted? It's crazy, right? So it's all here because you don't have a strong enough why you're doing it. 
Yeah, because listen, if, if you're very clear on the why, you know, from uh, the book Man's Search for Meaning, like humans can endure any how or what if they have a clear why. So if you find yourself, I was having a conversation with somebody today, a one-on-one client. He's like, oh, I feel like I'm, same, same thing. I feel like I'm getting burned out. I'm like, okay, well, are you clear on the why? And he wasn't. Uh, okay, well, t- tell us this then. How do you find out your why? Yeah, so I think that, again, in that book, um, starting with why, there's a companion book to that, which is like a workbook on how to do it. Oh, so what I did in preparation, okay. yeah, so what I did in preparation for the live event, because, you know, these people all in this group make 750 or more, so you got to be prepared. So what I did is, you know, I read both books, and then I did it with myself, and then I can help guide other people ah. through it, right? But one of the one one of the kind of steps, and for those who are interested, I would propose that you really read the book, is that um, at first what you do is you start to gather stories. So we all have origin stories. Like I spent some time with John and he had some origin stories. He has a story where he was at a gym and he met a guy who in the middle of the afternoon was working out. He's like, what the hell do you do? And he's like, I invest in real estate. He's like, oh my God. And that was part of his origin story, right? And we all have these origin stories. That's one experience. He has other experiences in his life in terms of Mm -hmm. what he watched from his parents and things of that nature that are part of his origin stories. So we all have those. So what happens is, is that you, you start to gather some of these stories, and they could be, you know, powerful experiences you had with, I don't know, like parents or like grandparents or just random experiences that you had, like he had in the gym. And what you'll notice is, is you gather these stories and then you grab like two or three that really have a lot of energy, that really oh. like stick out for you a lot. And then what happened, inspiration or like hate? Something. Like strong emotional drive. That got you into what? State. Right. State. They got, these stories are things that got you into state, right? Mm. So. Now, um, then what's interesting is, is you start to kind of write down the story in really vivid detail, like mm. remembering like where people were and all that other stuff. And then what you do is what we did is, you know, you partner up with somebody and you start to tell them the story. But what your partner is listening for is not so much the details of the story. They're listening for certain words that you use over and over again, certain mm. emotions that come up for you over and over again. Uh, and what you'll notice is there's a theme in the stories. There's a pattern that runs through all of them. And from that pattern, now you can deduce like a, a, a Y state, right? That's and, amazing. Yeah. And then it's, you know, and then it's powerful because once, you know, there's power and clarity. Like once I'm clear on why I can move, there, there, there's zero kind of energy being blocked up internally that's inhibiting me from going directly in one direction and putting forth all my energy, effort, resources, talents, abilities, like all of that. So in essence, when we do this exercise and we really drill down what, why um, we do what we do, then we'll have an endless energy. Yeah. So what exactly? So then it's like, how could I burn out? Because I'm, this is in alignment with my mission and purpose. So wow. what I'm aware of is, is like one of the guys at the, uh, in the mastermind, Skip, he, one of his origin stories was being in DECA in high school mm. and he loved it. And what I asked him, I said, well, what did you love about it? He's like, oh, man, it was like competitive. And he was using his brain that thinks like business-wise, because that's what decade is. It's like a marketing thing in high school. And he went to like the state championships. Uh And he's like, I'm like, what did you love most about it? He's like, I loved using my abilities to help other people win. And I was like, that's your why, bro. (laughs) Like, he thought it was something else. He thought it was listed properties, all this other stuff. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is right there. So now it's like, okay, if that's what it is, now I can 
infuse that into everything that I'm doing. And then once I'm clear on the why, decisions become easy. What to do? Oh my gosh. Yeah, everything's become so easy because you know your why, then everything is clear. You don't get FOMO going, you know, 10 different directions, doing this and that, trying to find out. Yeah, and then if you see other people succeeding, guess what you are? Instead of envious, you're like, good for you, bro. Like that's, you're doing your thing. This is my why. This is what I'm Wow, okay. Um, how can we get a hold of that? So, so it's a start with why and then the work. Start with why. And then there's a companion book to it. Um, I don't remember what it is, but it's like, it's like the workbook to start with why. I'm sure if you okay. put it on Amazon. Well, Google it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Amazing stuff, Aaron. Thank you so much. Um, so I want to, the last topic I want to touch here is there's a lot of fear right now. I think it, it's not, it's not rampant yet, but I could start to hear it and see it in some agents um, eyes like, okay, what's happening? I'm not selling my listing in a week or in two days. Right. Do you have any advice for, for agents going forward in this market? In yeah. The next, uh, 12 to eight months, 18 Great months. Question. So I think the thing first to recognize is to get an accurate assessment of reality. And what I mean okay. by that is that, um, you know, agents haven't had to be particularly skilled over the last 24 months in pricing property. Right. Haven't. Anything you listed at sold. They haven't been had to be skilled at negotiating. Like they got offers coming in at ask or over ask. And they haven't been had to be skilled at helping to sell or self-discover that they need to adjust the price. So really, I don't want people to confuse luck with skill. That is a like a common thing that happens for people. Because what I find is interesting is like all these agents are posting, like, we sold thirty thousand dollars above ask. Hey, do you take the credit when you had to lower the price a hundred thousand bucks to sell it? <laughs> the answer is no. No, we never post that. Right. But what's interesting is they both had nothing to do with you. They're both market driven. Right. So what I'm aware of is we've come out of like a uh, time of where we didn't have to be particularly skilled. And what I want everybody to understand is that the reason what's under, what's the emotion underneath those questions about market and like what's going on, what's going, what's underneath that Mm -hmm. fear. And what's, what causes fear is that knowledge equals confidence and ignorance equals fear. So if I'm afraid, the first thing I need to ask myself is what do I not know? When what? And like, what do I not know here? What do I not know? Right. So what people are really saying to me when they're asking me questions about the market, what they're really saying to me is I don't know what to do. Ah. So what I would propose or suggest is that when shift happens, because shift happens, <laughs> is when shift happens... Only the skilled get paid. So I have to be, you know, as this shirt says, you know, skills pay the bills. Like I have to be, oh, I have to be very skilled at pricing conversations, very skilled at price adjustment conversations, and very skilled at negotiating conversations. That's the world, that's the environment that we're headed into. And I want people to reframe this in our their minds because what I'm aware of is as humans, we have the capacity to give things meaning. And that's an exceptionally powerful gift because we can either give it empowering meaning or we can give mm. it disempowering meaning. Correct. So what's interesting is how do systems get stronger in biology? How does your immune system get strong? It gets stressed. Mm. You get sick. That's yeah. how it gets strong. How do your muscles get stronger? You tear them. It gets stressed. So people perceive this as a negative thing. What I would mm. propose is reframe it in your mind. It's like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to get faster, quicker, wow. more skilled. Like this is a good thing. This is a stress test. It's a stress test mentally, stress test skill-wise, a stress test financially. If mm. you've been running around, you know, upgrading your lifestyle, now the spigot gets turned off. Okay, that's cool. 
Now you're being stressed and now you have an opportunity right. to learn and make yourself stronger in a different environment. So, you know, what I would propose or suggest is that if you skill up and you have the right mindset, this will be an enormous opportunity to gather market share. In 2008, because I got my license in 2006, and it was kind of like what we just experienced over the last 18 months. If you don't say anything stupid, you show up, dress moderately okay, and you know you put the property on a market, it's going to fly off the shelf and you'll make some money. Yeah. And then the marketplace changed and it changed rather abruptly. And I don't know, I don't believe that the change that we're going to see will be that abrupt, abrupt as it was then because the whole financial market melted down. You know, at the same time, what I'm aware of, John, I would not be on this call today. I would not coach 100 agents throughout the country. I would not have listed 100 homes a year for the last 10 years in a row and done 200 deals a year, two years in a row if I did not go through that experience. Wow. So like, so like what I'm aware of is that, um, you know, in the dark night rises, uh, Batman goes to fight Bane and he leans back and he punches Bane and Bane looks at him and says, peace has made you weak. So a peaceful time had made him soft, right? Mm. And um, what I'm aware of is when everything's uh, light, you can't see who's shining really bright, mm. but you can when the lights go out. You could see who's shining bright. And what happens is that, that, that light becomes incredibly magnetic and powerful. People want to be in proximity to it. So I think this is a huge opportunity to become, you know, uh, the type of agent that you want to become. Wow, what an opportunity. So this is not a, this challenge that we are going to see in the next little bit here, it's not going to be as bad as 2008, but it's a huge opportunity for people who are serious about this business. It's time to level up. It's time to take more market share. If you are committed, you will be fine and the strong will thrive. So 100%, you will, you will, you, I grew by 25% year over year. So what happened was, is when I got pushed out the other end, I was doing 100 deals a year. The marketplace got great. And as the marketplace got great, a rising tide lifts all boats. I went to 200. Wow. Yeah. That's so your this is like an enormous opportunity. And again, what you focus on is what you feel and what you feel is your emotional home. So if I'm focused on like, oh my God, what's going to happen? What emotion am I feeling? Fear. Mm -hmm. If I'm focused on this is a huge opportunity, how do I feel? Excited. Excited. Yeah. And I know experientially because I went through it. That with that frame, that meaning, that mindset, and with the skills to match, you if you if you choose to, this will be a defining moment that will turn you into, you know, one of the dominant agents in your market. Uh, Simmer says, "What do you say to people when they want to hold off because of the market shift?" Yeah, so um, I mean, it depends on the context. Like that's really has to do with motivation. Right. Uh, I would ask questions like, well, I'm curious for you, you know, specifically if you did sell and I'm aware that that is an if, uh, ultimately, like how would your life improve? What would be the benefit to you personally? And then be quiet. And if their only motivation is money, Samir, then it's not going to be a fruitful conversation. However, if they have a life event, death, divorce, job relocation, move to a living facility, downsize, I need more space, retirement, like these are life events. And if they have life events, they're going to be more apt to have a conversation. But if it's only motivated by motivation, I mean, their only motivation is money. It's not a productive conversation. Yeah. Investors who are looking to sell at the high point, you know, they could always rent it out. Or investors who are looking to buy, looking for a great deal. These aren't really the type of buyers that you want to spend too, too much time on. Rather, ask more questions to get to the life event. If they have a life event, this won't even be an objection. Correct? Right. Yeah. Aaron, thank you so much for today. You have 
provided so much value over the last year uh, for our group for, you know, now you're with EXP. Congrats, by the way. Welcome, welcome. And man, you coach 100 agents and you do 150 deals. I don't know how you do it, but how can we follow you? How can we join your team or join your coaching? Yeah. So, and I appreciate uh, that. And I appreciate your kind words. So if you want to connect with me at Aaron Novello um, on Instagram, it's a good place to connect, um, you know, with me and I put a lot of you know, good content there. And then if you have interest in what we're doing uh, from a coaching perspective uh, in my bio on Instagram, there's all the different ways that you can participate, um, uh, you know, with us. So, you know, I appreciate the opportunity. My intention is truly from an infinite perspective is to equip people um, and if I'm going to be greedy for something, it's going to be for how many people can say that I've made a meaningful impact in the quality of their experience in their life. The man, the myth, the legend, my idol, Mr. Aaron Novello. Thank you so much for today. We'll see you soon, my man. Thank Appreciate you. you guys. Hey, be great. Adios. Make it a great day, guys. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Aaron.